Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Mel Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. Ooh, it's a 19. Ooh. Maybe we shouldn't tell Brittany about that. <laughs> <laughs> just, we'll just keep that to ourselves. She doesn't have to know at all. Well, yes. So obviously, Brittany is not with us. She is not. It's exactly like uh, like the episode, in fact, which we did not know was going to happen it's before true. we started recording. That uh, Clint and Travis were together, and, and then Justin's recording was separate, so... He had to do his own thing. It uh, Listen, apparently everybody's just very busy. Everybody's got places mm-hmm. to be, things to do. They're feeling it. We're feeling it. So we're just bringing an extra level of realness to our own show. We'll have uh, we'll have Brittany record some reactions later <laughs> and then just edit them in. I love this idea. <laughs> I think she would love it too. <laughs> um, and speaking of hams, we start out with Ned. And I have to say, right out the gate, this is why Ned is my favorite. Like, I love how, one, Clint plays him. It's just genius. Mm-hmm. And, like, as soon... As he realized it was the abomination on TV, his first reaction was, I want Duck and Aubrey now. Yeah, that was really sweet, I thought. Yeah. And, you know, it's I think it definitely shows some significant and very logical character development for Ned that he hasn't, maybe has never had these kinds of close relationships before, not really. Absolutely. And that, um, you know, his reaction in Crisis is immediately like, yeah. I need I need my partners, I need these other people. 100%. I think we for sure see that even really later on in the episode. Um, and just mm-hmm. the way that Clint talks about, um, even abstractly, his relationships with people, even if he's not naming names, it really does feel like, and he embodies it so well, that... Yeah. Duck and Aubrey are people he now wants to turn to first. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of him for knowing straight off, because, of course, he's like, okay, let me go find my friends. I got to get to the lodge. That's probably where they're going to be. Um, And I'm really proud of Ned for, you know, for just knowing right away that there is no reason Danny would be out <laughs> at this random ass lodge parking lot running toward his car. You never yeah. know. Like, you would think it's an obvious thing, but you just never know. It was not the most subtle subtle part of the Abominations plan. It really, no. <laughs> it does seem like that, it, like, why, how How would you have justified that? <laughs> right. like, it doesn't make sense that Danny is there. How does Danny know that there's been a break-in at the Cryptonomica yeah. to tell him to go there? Like, it's pretty clearly a setup, it seems right. like, of some kind. Right. Like, are you hoping that he's dumb or mm. are you purposefully trying to throw him off, which it kind of seems like maybe is the case? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, and I suppose it's possible that the abomination at this point is maybe not at its best because yes. as he's driving away and he looks back, Danny like smiles and is there's like blood coming out of oh, her yeah. mouth, which is probably a bad sign. Yeah, Usually it's something bad, unless she had just eaten, because I'm under the impression she's a bit of a vampire. So, but I don't get that sense that she's just come from some sort of buffet in the yeah. woods. Um, yeah, it almost feels like... Or a like, jelly donut, maybe. Or a jelly yeah. donut, that's true. <laughs> Danny, darling, what would you like to eat? Um, it almost feels like the monster's getting desperate, mm. that it would make yeah. such a weird, obvious move here. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's sort of operating on a level that that it was playing on knowing that Ned was going to know yeah. because it does sort of seem like it's not surprised or angered when it's pretty clear that Ned has figured it out. Yes. So maybe 
Maybe it was always intended to be manipulation. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, Ned's smart enough to to try to like fake it out and right. look like he's heading towards the lodge. Exactly. Uh, but... When he it was that was the really brilliant point there is when he saw it smile that he went mm-hmm. okay, hit the brakes and then do turn around and head to the cryptonomica. Unless this is all just a big case of you don't know, I know you know. He doesn't know. We know. He knows. He knows. <laughs> One of those. Something like that. You know, your classic sitcom scenario. But regardless, he was going to wind up at the Cryptonomica eventually. It's where whether... he's got to go. Yeah. He was just going to have to. Uh, so, And that's where Aubrey is. Mm-hmm. We head back to her and she's she's just found her amulet. And I like that in each of these scenes with these characters, we do have moments where the the player has to kind of think about what do they do in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like that realness of them taking a moment to think, is it what she would do? Yes. So she puts the amulet on. And it it made me wonder the fact that it now fits perfectly. And the bit in the flashback about the chain being too long and now it's right. Do you think Griffin specifically planned that from the start Um, when he did that little flashback? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it has to have been something that he wanted to carry through, and I'm, I'm not sure why. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I've been interested about is like, is this just sort of flavor text, or right. is there some reason for this? Because we do, I mean, I, I don't like to skip ahead, but we do see in the flashback later on um, that the discussion of presumably her mother's like office or workspace of some kind that she had modified, she had equipment and had modified this necklace right so because initially i thought well it didn't fit her because she was a teenager right and maybe she was you know she wasn't full size yet so (laughs) but but no it it has been modified so that it fits her perfectly so yeah i'm not sure what this means i'm interested by it i'm not sure if it has a significance beyond same um beyond flavor or not yeah because i i'm i'm with you i think that initial time when we saw it too long on her it was like a oh is it just because she's too small for it. But then we learn, yeah. no, no, that was the night. So, yeah, yeah, just the fact that, like, it got brought up again. I wasn't sure if it was just really dedicating to those tiny moments of flavor, which I think is a really great story element regardless, even if it mm-hmm. doesn't end up being a, a big, important thing. Um, but So, yeah, I just wondered. The only thought that I had, which is a little left field, so I'm not sure if it's a good theory or not, but mm-hmm. um, I wondered if... It seems like these these creatures, the the like glowing people that we've been seeing uh-huh. when the abominations are defeated, they're they're taller than human size, right? Yeah, they're quite tall. Yeah. And I I did wonder was this necklace Ooh. chain too long for her because it wasn't made for a it human? It wasn't supposed to be on um, human. Yeah, rather than that Aubrey is a little short, and I had always pictured her short, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, but me too. I'm not I'm not sure if Travis ever said that like really early on, like and she's kind of petite, but I had always sort of pictured her as as um on the shorter side. Me too. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I don't know. Something happens in your brain sometimes, I think, when somebody is describing something, even if they don't explicitly state it. Right. And then I think that's been the interesting thing about seeing fan art for these characters is that stuff that was never described that someone seizes uh-huh. on and you're like, yes, that's right. Yes. And then everybody starts it's, doing that, whatever that detail is. Yeah. It's just a thing that then gets put into, it gets wrapped up into the character itself, even if it was never mm-hmm. specifically stated. Absolutely. Yeah. But I do think maybe there's a, a possibility that there's significance to this chain having been much too long. I like that idea. I had not even considered that, but 
I like it a whole bunch. It's going we'll on see. the murder board. I'm either going to sound very smart or very, very stupid at some point in the future. No, I think it's so clever regardless. Even if it doesn't end up being true, I think that's such a clever thinking. There's a picture now on the murder board, and it's just those this little stretch of chain. <laughs> Barclay might think it's trash later, but don't let him take it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and speaking of our favorite boys, uh, Aubrey is, she's hurt. She's going to call over mm-hmm. to the Amnesty Lodge and be like, is Mama there? No, is Barclay there? <laughs> He's always the yeah. second, like, is Big Brother there? Uh, but yeah. instead, it's it's Sweet Jake who has picked up the phone. Yes. Sweet Jake, sorry to cuss cool ice. Sweet Jake is having a panic attack at uh. this point in time, which is understandable. <laughs> 100%. I, I was very entertained by the idea that he doesn't have a driver's license. Like, I don't um, know that I had thought about that, but that does really track for his character. That he just Not never bothered. Oh, right. Because, like, why would you? We, I mean, we, we keep guessing he turns into a giant bunny. Regardless, him whispering the way Griffin delivered that line <laughs> is one of my top fave amnesty moments so far. It was, I don't know why, it was just so amusing to me. I loved it. I think it's because it's Jake and he's just, you know, yeah. our darling anyway. But even without a license, Aubrey tells him to suck it up. He can do this. Come get me, please. Yeah, and we also learn that Danny is missing. And not only... Danny did not leave after this broadcast. Danny left at some point earlier in the day, which seems very odd. Right, she's been gone. Yeah, I'm a little concerned for Danny. Yeah, it's it's still not clear what's going on there, but there's definitely something still going on. And I think it's more complicated than just... Danny was duplicated by the abomination and like all of the Dannys that we've seen have not actually been her or like Danny had to leave because they were just at this, um, this count Galoo motel or whatever. Uh, I think, I think there must be more to it than that. I'm not sure. I'm I'm totally with you. And like you said, it does kind of question in entirely. Like, because even when Ned is talking to the Danny in the parking lot, mm-hmm. who's there for no reason, he says, what's the last time, when's the last time you saw me? Yeah. And she said, taking the statue, which means either that was real Danny and this thing is somehow now picking up on her newer memories or this hasn't been our Danny the entire time. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, something something's still going on there that we don't know about. Yeah. And seeing the way that, you know, and again, sorry to jump forward, but the forms we see this monster take being Danny and Boyd, mm-hmm. and we know what happened to Boyd. Yeah. It makes me nervous. Yeah. I mean... I- I think from a meta standpoint, I don't think that Griffin would kill Danny. Agreed. Yeah, but I, I'm certainly concerned mm-hmm. for, for her safety at this point. Right. Just not even knowing where she could be or when the last time we actually saw her was. Yeah. We still don't know for sure who the person was who was completely covered In up. In the bed. At the, uh, You're yeah. right. We still don't know who that was. And we had suspected Ooh. maybe that it was Mama. It could be Danny instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't. you're right. That's still hanging out there. So somebody that the abomination took was not dead, at least at that point, unless it was because we don't have the timeline. It could have been Boyd before he was killed, but it seems more likely that it's someone else who is still alive. Yeah, because it seemed, and maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but it seemed almost like the monster was not like caring for them, caring for them, but was showing some level of care for this person. And the way that Boyd was dumped in a closet suggest to me that i mean unless it really was like i have to be very careful while i'm working on them and mm-hmm. then i don't care but who knows well and so far the people who have been duplicated who wound up dead uh they were all humans weren't they mm. not people from sylvain True. so there may that may be a distinction Man. we don't know a very good call so many mysteries so many mysteries 
And it's just going to get worse as we go over to GBT with Duck, who is apparently serving some Marty Crane realness. Yeah, this is. I'm realizing that this is not the first time I have ever yelled John Mahoney at a podcast. I can't remember when else it would have come up, but please start keeping a tally. Yeah, and I was I was very we'll amused. Put it that on his, the murder board. The one he went to was John Mulaney, and I'm like, that is a completely different person. <laughs> I would love to see John Mulaney playing Marty Crane for an episode. That would be I would very I would be very interested to see him in some sort of Frasier reboot. I would be intrigued yeah. by that. It'd be interesting <laughs> casting. But but yes, John Mahoney. I mean, I you know nothing nothing against Justin for not remembering that specific of detail. Course. He was close, very close. Um, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's, it has been bothering me personally that I can't remember the other time this came up. And I was wondering, was it Justin previously as well? I hope you, if you suddenly remember, mm. you have to let us know. Yeah. Well, we all have that one actor whose name we just can't get stick in our brains just, no matter what you do. Yeah. And we would name somebody here, but we can't remember their name. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, Duck, bad news. Um, We're about to start a bit of a horror show. Uh-huh. Here at the GBT. It's him and Sarah. Mm-hmm. They're still looking at all these wonders of the universe. And then, okay, so please correct me if I got this incorrect, but I'm under the impression he can see from the security cameras, yes? He can, yeah, they, like, were see... trying, they were trying to look out the window, and I think that was not very successful, so they tried the security cameras as well. And then I think they right, were ultimately the alarms able are going to see. Off. Yeah, I think they were ultimately able to see out the window because okay. Duck was concerned that maybe this horrible monster could see them. So right. I think eventually they, they could, they did get close enough that they could see it. But initially, yeah, they were looking on the security cameras to try to tell what was going on. Yeah. And they see, quote, a shape crawling toward the telescope is absolutely horrifying. I was yeah. like, oh, we're just going to go straight into some uh, Silent Hill yeah, over yeah. here, are we? Okay. Like, or the monster, the, the slime monster from Princess Mononoke. Right. Or- uh, I, d- I did like Akira as a verb. Um, yes. And it's I knew exactly so, it's what he meant. A, exactly. You can picture it. As soon as he says it, you're like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah. That was that was some very unsettling, like, <laughs> anime monster Ooh. horror stuff. Like, Imagery. Arm centipede. 100%. And it made me actually, um, I think this is later on in my notes, but it's just about this same monster, so I can mention it now. Or this, this mass, I apologize. Did you ever watch or play the game Inside? No. Okay. It was this really, it was this really lovely kind of, um, I think it's a little indie game, but I could be incorrect. It was on Steam. Mm. I watched somebody else play it because I was like, I can't. (laughs) It's too unnerving for me. You play Mm -hmm. as like this kid and I won't spoil anything, but there's something that looks like this. There's some like big creature similar to this. And Mm. so that's then where my mind was going. I was like, ooh, I know exactly what this looks like. And it is Horror Town USA. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's not it's not good that's for sure no no and like what is this what is happening this is unlike i mean it's sort of similar to the um that first bomb bomb with the mm-hmm. mass of animals but even yeah. then not quite this is almost like catamarying people as we see as it like picks up the gate guard yeah which may have been an accident it's not clear True. I, it might not have been intentional but you know, I think it's just, it's trying to get to the telescope and it's not going to yes. let anything stand in its way. Um, right. But yeah, it's definitely like, it's in this state of flux, right? That that it's like, there are all these arms and then he, Griffin says at one point faces, which is very unsettling. So let's just speed so right past that. Um, yeah. But these things, these things just kind of manifesting out of it. So it's like 
a shapeshifter right. that's struggling to shapeshift and failing. Yeah. Uh, which seems to be, again, some kind of extension of what we already knew seemed to be going wrong with this abomination. Like something has gone very haywire right. in its ability to duplicate other creatures. Somewhere along the line here, it has started faltering. Yeah. Which I imagine is properly horrifying for our heroes, Duck and Sarah. Well, I mean, they're trying to figure out what to do, right. which is a good question do? because it's the two of them and some kind of giant, terrifying monster. I did. But you I just did, saw pick up somebody. Yeah, yeah, I did very much like Duck's suggestion. Um, well, they were having the, the conversation about whether or not uh, the doctor, Doctor Drake, should get under a a table. Oh, right. <laughs> um, and then Duck suggests that she put a wastebasket on her head and pretend <laughs> to be a lamp. Um, it might not know. <laughs> I was extremely entertained by that as a strategy. It might have worked. I mean, it really might have. We don't know what we're dealing with here. It could be a very good suggestion. <laughs> Won't that be funny when that ends up being what saves us all here in the end? <laughs> Hand boning will save your life one day, but that's for later. Yeah, we jump back before he finds before he decides what he's going to do, short of both of them pretending to be furniture. <laughs> yes. We got to now see what happens when Ned rolls up to the Kryptonomica, where we all know Aubrey is waiting for her pickup. And so when Ned opens the front door here, she's there waiting. And it is not a warm reception. It is instead more of an icy standoff. Mm-hmm. And Ned's pleading with Aubrey, Clint's performance is just... Yeah. That was a chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, Travis as well. I mean, this this conversation was... Yeah was really intense. Like, genuinely. Listen, if one of them had to be the person who couldn't be on call with everybody at once, I'm glad it was Justin so that these two could have this moment. Yeah, I mean, and it's... it's The conversation is on some level even more awkward because Ned is already apologizing for something that Aubrey doesn't fully know about because yes. she knew he had the necklace somehow. Yeah. But she didn't know what had happened or that Ned was in some way responsible for the fire. Right. Was part of this horrible accident. Yeah, and we don't know. So this is an interesting narrative question. Mm-hmm. We see this flashback so that we find out what happened. I yes. assume that there was not a portion of the conversation between Aubrey and Ned in the present that we didn't hear. So I'm not sure that Ned actually told her this. Oh, interesting. And I don't I don't know for sure. Like I, I or or how much of it he told her, right? That's fair. I mean, right, there isn't anything to specifically say. Because of her reaction at the end of it, I figured, Mm -hmm. as we were watching the flashback, it was essentially him telling this story. Yeah, I just wasn't certain. Because when I I, I listened to it both times and I thought, I'm not totally sure that he's told her all of this. Yeah. But I I mean, I think, you know, the other thing is they're they're not going to stand around and process this right now. Exactly. He's not going to tell her every detail. Yeah, yeah. If anything, he might gloss over the majority of it but tell her the things he thinks she needs to know Mm -hmm. or is wanting to know yeah i mean i assume they're going to revisit well they have to they have to revisit this at some point so we'll find out then whether she knows all of this or not yeah i hadn't thought of that but now i'm intrigued to know how much of this flashback is going to be just known by the, the characters and the players yeah and when it comes to the actual flashback This is an episode where I'm just going to keep talking about how great Clint is. Don't mind me, everybody. (laughs) But I really appreciate Clint's struggle with Ned in that, Mm -hmm. you know, this is his hero. He doesn't want to betray him, but at the same time, he has to keep it real. And I respect him for struggling with that in the moment, but but still trying to do right by the character himself. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, that's true to Ned. I think I, I, he's he's always had these misgivings, right? It seems yeah. like from from right. what we know about him, that that he doesn't really want people to get hurt by yes. what he's doing. But the bottom line is, he's doing it anyway. Exactly. So Ned, a lot of Ned's character has to do with some kind of justification to himself about what he's doing and why. A hundred percent. He is a morally complicated character. Absolutely he is, which, and, and you even saying that, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense that he's my favorite. <laughs> when I look at my track record, I'm like, yeah, that, that all, that all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly like you said, that's what I liked about this too, was the fact that this didn't feel like Clint trying to retcon. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no, now that I know that no, no, Ned wouldn't want to hurt anybody. I'm going to make him sound yeah. like he's trying to insist they leave it it absolutely tracks with his character from the start because he even says i feel like in one of the first episodes he's says ned was into cat burglary it wasn't Mm -hmm. violent crimes it wasn't anything like that he was just essentially a thief Mm -hmm. nobody was ever supposed to get hurt yeah so i like this idea i believe this idea that he and boyd going into a house that might be occupied to steal from regular people in yes a fancy house Mm-hmm. is going to be unsettling for him. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a lot of, there was a fine line to walk there because we don't really know and they don't really know exactly what happened in this scenario. They're kind of, they're playing this out now. On the fly. Uh, and, and there's this danger of having an inclination to change what happened now that yes. he knows his character better. Yeah. But if you do that, then I think it's, it's a betrayal of the development that you've done with the character since then. Sure. If you go back and say like, you know, well, in this situation too, they were, you know, they were always a good guy. Right. Um, And it's like, no. Yeah. But I, I I think that um, Clint found a good balance here that he's kind of consistently saying like, ah, I don't know if we should do this, but then doing it. But then doing it anyway. Right. Cause in the end he still wants to get his, he's, he does still Mm want to get away with, something that will make him rich and he'll never have to thieve again. He probably would. I get the impression it's fun for him. Yeah. But yes, it does still ultimately come down to the the selfish option of I will do it anyway. Mhm. It does seem like we've we've learned some more about the depth of the complexity of this relationship that he had with Boyd that they seem to have yeah. bosses of some kind who were assigning them jobs and then also when they are rooting around and it, it does seem like if the light was on, you might be concerned that someone was in the house. Certainly. If a dust lamp was on, but but Aubrey's father does in fact show up and Ned's first reaction is, oh no, there's, I'm a good guy, but there's a bad guy in the house. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Obviously meaning um, Boyd. Right. But it's like, wait, you're with this guy. Right. <laughs> and part of you, I mean, you know, if he had to break it down and if he had mm-hmm. to explain himself, it could be he... He doesn't want to hurt you, but the other dude who is also broken into your house will definitely hurt you. So just yeah. bear with me for a second. Yeah. But it's still, absolutely, you still broken into this man's house to rob him. Mm-hmm. But it does imply that maybe there's, you know, some kind of uh, power structure here that we don't fully understand yet. Well, the, the, I mean, the, the not to excuse Ned's behavior. Certainly. But to put it in a framework where... Maybe it makes more sense what he was doing and why. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing. I'm going to go have to go back and listen again because I I think I missed any pickup of there being a hierarchy above these two. 
So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't clear whether Boyd had just gotten information from mm. someone about, you know, this is a house we should hit. But, you know, usually thieves would case sure. their own places. Yeah. And it sounded like he had gotten this information. He had been told that there was a good score there. So I thought that it kind of at least left the door open for they were affiliated with or associated with some kind of organization that they were beholden to. Got it. So that there might have been more of a reason for this job to be successful than just we want the stuff that's in the house, right? Right. But that wasn't that wasn't totally clear. I, yeah. I felt like that was implied, but but uh, I think we'll have to see where they go with that, if anywhere. Right. But if there does end up being more here, there, these were at least some seeds planted to kind of suggest possibly such a mm-hmm. thing. Boyd certainly seems extremely single-minded yes. as, this, uh, as the circumstances kind of escalate because right. they find someone in the house, they have to knock him out. Uh-huh. Uh, Boyd, Boyd knocks him out. Ned tries to argue with him again. Yeah. To that they should leave now. Right. The fact and that he they don't insist just that run. they won't. Yeah. Yeah. Which says to me that right, he knew there was not only expensive stuff there, but like powerful stuff here. I it does mm-hmm. make me wonder what did Aubrey's parents have? Like we know obviously the pendant yeah. was there, but then it's like, well, where did that even come from? What is this lineage? Yeah. What else might have been in that house that that they knew was such a big score? Or was it possible that they were sent after the pendant by someone? True. And they were, we it know. was, it was kind of talked up. Yeah. Or I mean, it, it all could have been a coincidence. It yeah. could have just been bad, bad luck, or it might've been more than that. Uh, yeah. The fact that Boyd was so dead set on, mm-hmm. now I know there are people in the house, but I'm still going to go through with this. It says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I did wonder what. Aubrey, because we don't know a ton about Aubrey's parents besides right. they were rich. Yeah. Like, why do they have this museum room full of valuables that seems to be maybe the mother's office or... Yeah. Right? Because th- this is where we see the equipment yeah. that she had been modifying the necklace with. But there's also all these like museum display cases, which is kind of... I mean, it's it's something that people might have in their home, but it does seem a little unusual. Right. So I just sort of wondered, is there more to her parents than than we know and how they came to have this pendant i mean that's exactly what i'm wondering yeah like what were they about what were even their ancestors about i don't know so hopefully we will get more of that whenever these two do hopefully get to have a heart to heart yeah listen aubrey ned needs you (laughs) (laughs) i get it i get you're mad well and i really liked you know, I wasn't sure how Trav was going to play Aubrey there in response to mm-hmm. to this flashback. But I really liked the way he did. Yeah. Her kind of quiet acceptance, but also a why didn't you tell me sooner? It was hard to hear. I mean, that, that part yeah. too, was it was really intense. Yeah, he played um, it very well. Yeah. It's always hard to hear characters that you like fighting. For sure. Um, even if fighting is not... I mean, it's actually worse, I think, when they're not screaming at each other. That's... Um, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if she had, you know, kind of told him off and been like, you know, never speak to me again, yeah. which, I mean, she kind of yeah. did. But it was wrapped up in this attitude of, I've made my peace where I need to make it, mm-hmm. but you then have brought it up again in in lying to me our entire time knowing each other well in aubrey's you know she's the hothead right so when the hothead is being quiet then you know you're really in trouble girl like then it's really serious and i and i agree i think i think the lie is worse Uh uh-huh you know and i mean this is this is also very true to ned's character that 
he was always going to fall back on the lie and fall into the trap of the lie being safer than yes. telling the truth. Yeah, it absolutely. It plays right into what we were saying of him. Like, this is going to hurt somebody, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And that goes with his robbery and it goes with this exact scenario here. I mean, this would have been a hell of a thing to bring up over lunch, but... Uh, it absolutely would. You're right. And we had also gotten some other information here that as the situation in the house continued to escalate... Aubrey woke up. Yeah. Uh, She tries to run. Boyd's going after her. Ned tries to save her, but Clint gets a very bad role. Oh my gosh, so bad. And accidentally affects the past. Yes. uh, So that the bag hits hits her her. in the head instead. And then an unconscious Aubrey is levitating with glowing orange eyes and sets the house on fire, which is a big thing. And also, even on top of that, that that Ned went back and wouldn't leave the house until he had pulled, tried to pull Aubrey and her dad out. Yeah. Because I could not, for some reason, I thought both of her parents were gone. Is only her mom gone? I think that they had implied that it was both. I think that maybe this is something, because they had not done this scene yet and they couldn't have done this scene yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that it's possible that this is something that has now changed. Sure. Um, or as maybe a result of what later. was happening in the scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was never really clear, so it's not really retconning. I think it's just certainly uh, further clarification. But it did sound like in the very beginning that they had thought that both parents were dead and both yeah. of them had died in the fire. Okay. I just I couldn't remember, but yes, to your point, it was one last attempt to do something to help this mess. This mm-hmm. un cleanable mess that they've now made of this family's entire life uh and in getting both of them out but then we again get that really good insight from like of course clint wants for ned to want to go back in and save possibly anybody who is left in the building still yeah uh but one we can't retcon to that extreme yeah and two it's just it's something that ned wouldn't be able to do yeah he's not quite that brave yeah ned is very brave but ultimately he's still very much a coward yeah i mean it wouldn't have made any sense and then like we we talked a lot about um when they were fighting the the water bomb bomb that 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 turn at the end of of ned choosing to run into danger that would not have seemed important if he had run into danger in this situation too you're 100 percent right ned (laughs) (laughs) yeah before before we move on to duck Mm mm-hmm I, I had thought earlier on that I was surprised that Aubrey put the flame bright pendant on and nothing happened. Oh, yeah. Because it seemed like from the beginning, everybody had sort of suspected, well, it's some kind of magical device, right? It's a piece of the crystal. Um, something is probably going to happen when she gets it back. But nothing happened. And I think maybe that makes more sense in retrospect now that we have seen this thing that admittedly happened in the past that we didn't know about until just now, that... While Aubrey was unconscious, she was able to use these fire powers. And her eyes were glowing orange. Yeah. So it kind of seems like we were thinking the light has gone out of Sylvain. The sort of embodiment of Sylvain is gone. Maybe it's in the flame bright pendant. Now it does kind of seem like maybe it's actually Aubrey. Maybe it is just in her. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the pendant isn't really that important at all. Ooh, yeah. I mean, my thought on the pendant was kind of always that it was just a piece of the crystal. I yeah. I honestly wasn't expecting anything to really happen when she put it on. 
So when Griffin said so, I was like, oh. It, it hadn't dawned on me until he said it. I was like, oh, right. I guess it would have totally made sense had something, like, if it had lit up yeah. or if her other eye started, was now orange or had the starburst or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like this theory. The power was inside of her all along. Yeah, it seems like there's, we're still, we're still getting these little fragments. We're still not quite seeing the whole picture. You know, I also wonder because, because Barclay has a little piece it looks like of the crystal or it, it sounds yeah like. we thought so and so we thought so we haven't confirmed yeah. we haven't been able to confirm that because it hasn't come up again you're so right barclay can neither confirm nor deny at this time <laughs> the charges made against him as to whether or not he smuggled out a piece of crystal from sylvain <laughs> <laughs> put him up on the murder board uh so i just wondered though for a moment i was like is there something there is there something you know was this necklace somebody's uh trinket that kept them mm-hmm. safe i don't know yeah, I don't know. Mm. Maybe stole a piece of the crystal, accidentally brought the spirit of Sylvain with them to Earth, uh, and then it got out. Every but time. It's also, maybe it's Aubrey. Hmm. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Not enough information. Not yet. We'll leave some ellipses on there. Oh, one more thing before we move over to Doug. I did make a note of this. Um, The phrase, the Hulk explodes, (laughs) is at least for this week, the new phrase for retconning or just (laughs) violently ending a story in some way. I think that that's, we could use this for now. I think it's a great, very easy term to go to. (laughs) Now we can go to Duck. And this is where he is going to start confronting this thing. Yeah. I mean, distract the monster is an interesting plan it is not sure it's the safest plan sure because he he knows that this this guard had been caught up in it and mm-hmm. so he's kind of like how do i get her out yeah and he the phrase um my sword here is real horny for machines is also what people <laughs> have said about me so i really <laughs> appreciated that moment um he thinks if this thing wants the gbt and the power therein, maybe by mm-hmm. threatening to ruin whatever you can do with the the telescope it might yeah. give him some leverage yeah i mean it was a worthwhile gambit like yeah. i guess we're gonna try and it negotiate with this horrible monster because fighting it is probably not gonna go very well well and also you think if he's trying to logic with this this abomination or whatever this mm. is so far they've seen it acting pretty intelligently so if yes. you think this is that same thing and that's actually something i get into a little bit later but for right now Duck, does he make a bad roll? He does level up here, right? These beautifully yeah. timed level ups. Yeah, he does level up. He he does manage to shake. It's somewhat coincidentally in the course of trying to negotiate with a thing that apparently either can't hear or can't understand him or doesn't right. care. It does shake the security guard loose. So, oh yeah, Fargo, our friend Fargo, whose that... name I don't think we ever we ever actually got, is going yeah. to be fine. Oh, but yeah, he does. He levels up. This new power of his is called Duck Runs Away, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this definitely seems like time for an escape route as an yes. option, strategically, because he's trying to keep these other civilians safe. It's just him versus this giant arm monster. Right. I, what are you what, do? How is this going to go? Um, although I, I very much like Justin's description that 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 Duck's version of the escape route is basically that he's just like running with his eyes closed, 
like sort of at an angle from where the monster is to try to get to his car. Yeah. With Beacon out in front of him just in case. Just in case. Just in case he has to cut this fence. Even what he was saying, it was like, I don't know if, listen, Beacon is magical. I don't know if he's magical in the way that you're thinking. <laughs> that he can just like lightsaber open any fencing that might be in your way. Yeah. You wonder how Beacon is, is taking being being used against things that you really probably shouldn't use a sword on. He's but it probably... does seem, it, it works. So, you know, I guess he is magic like that. I mean, Beacon, you never cease to impress us. So Duck does this, he uses this maneuver, he runs away. Duck's running away, Fargo is presumably taking care of themselves. Yes. Uh, Sarah is running after Duck, and finally Duck has met someone who also thinks it might be an alien. (laughs) Finally he's been vindicated. (laughs) They get to bond over this, and I'm sure she's thrilled. You know, this is very scary, but it's probably also like the best day she's had in a very long time. This is one of the things that the telescope (laughs) looks for, is Uh signs of extraterrestrial life, so... Even if it's a freaky yeah. arm centipede, you know, it's it's, it's a big day for science. <laughs> as long as they live. One for the books. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get to the fucking car, they say. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like this escape is maybe completely going to work, though, until, until... there's suddenly a, a, a truck coming. A hero van, comes along. Yeah. And of course, it's Leo. It's Leo. Every <laughs> Leo barreling through was such a moment of like relief and awe and also fear because mm-hmm. we all know yeah. the last we heard, homeboy is in danger so close to the telescope. So my other mm-hmm. note says everybody listening to this is just that pic of Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad where he's just screaming. <laughs> but we don't get to find out about that yet because we we're going to hop back to Ned real quick. Duck, you hold it there. Ned... Let's pack up the cryptonomica. Aubrey said she never wants to see him again. And Yeah. It does seem like, knowing what we do know about Ned's past, he's probably done this before, hasn't he? Oh, uh, you're totally he's right. Had to, he's had, you know, an hour and had to pack up everything that was important to him in the uh-huh. world and leave well, and whatever life a, he had. Yeah, a big, a big boot on his car that he could do that. And we'll have to put it all in this crepes by Monica van. Mm-hmm. He's, he's packing up. He's probably got some sad song playing on his phone. <laughs> Does she come in through the front I door? I think Danny just walks in. Yeah, I think she just comes in. Oh, and she's she's not one whole Danny, you guys. Mm-hmm. She's, listen, bravo to this absolute horror twist that this episode has taken. Like, we've been, we've been dabbling here and there. But this is that good stuff where it's just mm-hmm. unnerving. It's unsettling. She's showing up with like pieces just missing. Yeah. And even the way Griffin is voicing her sounds mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. This was very good. I mean, because this was a, a difficult visual to try to describe. Like, I, yes. I think we all got a pretty good idea yeah. of what he meant, especially because this is all payoff for what we've seen before that this abomination is like coughing stuff up uh-huh. and and bleeding and all of these things so we're like oh yeah okay so now we understand what's happening but it was still infinitely more creepy having oh, griffin do that vocally which had to have been a significant challenge absolutely bravo griffin and this is where then we do get a bit of an answer Danny, mm-hmm. not Danny, asks what Ned has taken from them. And of yeah. course, Ned is like, I don't have anything. And then we see this bag of crystals that made us think of the never-ending story. It made me think of the never-ending story, too. <laughs> and we'll remember, right, he took one. And if that's part of, like, the makeup 
of your entire body, if that's how you form, that's yeah. going to throw some things off. It does seem to have uh, to have done something bad. Uh-huh. This is the first of one of the interesting pieces of tidbits that we get from this abomination that we don't have context for but seem very important. Yes, I want to hear what you're going to say. The monster says that it's breaking protocol. Yes. By coming to him with this bag. Who's protocol? Exactly. And that goes hand in hand with this other thing I wrote. The monster says, if certain bodies found out what I was doing here, what? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. He refers to, he, she, it refers to Billy as the partition, which is right. also very interesting choice of words. What? Very unclear. Yeah. And apparently this has also happened before either on Earth or somewhere else, because the Abomination says that it very rarely speaks to its targets. So it has to have happened before, Mm. probably with some regularity to be able to make a statement like that. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good So we're getting these like little tiny glimpses that there being something larger going on. Much larger. Right. This gives the sense that this particular abomination is more than just the past ones we've seen where it's like this thing passed over from Sylvain into our world and now Mm -hmm. we have to deal with it. This one is proving more and more each episode that this is much bigger than just the the normal monster hunting we've been doing. Yeah, there's definitely some something much bigger and more complicated here. Absolutely there is. Well, and even then... When it is talking to Ned, it offers to, it changes to now Boyd, who is missing pieces. Mm -hmm. Again, that, uh, in terms of Griffin's voice acting, that switch from Danny's voice to Boyd's was extremely chilling. So well done. Oh, it was creeping me out so much. Well, so my, my interest here, though, because that's a very good point that this sounds like this is a thing that's happened before. It has the, the bag of crystal balls or whatever with it. But then when Ned Mm -hmm. won't hand it over, Ned is going to use it as leverage, of course. And when Ned won't hand it over, they they don't necessarily act like that's the be-all, end-all. And so I think that's kind of confusing, too. Yeah, the abomination says that it was basically just curiosity. Yeah. I think we we probably have to assume that it's not that this bauble wasn't important. It's that it isn't important anymore. Mm. That maybe because it's close to achieving its objective anyway Ooh, it thinks call. it doesn't matter anymore right is that's a possibility yeah like maybe these just account for it taking on the forms it needs to trick people to do what it wants yeah and it's kind of i think it's at its end game now yeah like it sounds like right the pieces have been set the die has been cast and now it's mm. all just kind of waiting for it to all fall into place yeah and in its kind of resolve this attitude of resolve that it has it it sounds like it's about to, you know, head on out. And this is when Ned takes the opportunity to shoot it with the Narf Blaster. Yeah. yeah, and it does get, it catches Ned too for two harm, which it isn't nothing. It does. So there's a bit of a crossfire that happens. Mm-hmm. They both take some damage. Luckily, it takes more damage. But even then, again, furthering this uh, Resident Evil, the Silent Hill imagery here, parts of it go flying up mm-hmm. on the ceiling. That's going to take a while to clean up. But then it starts, it sounds like it starts looking like a smaller version of the thing that's at the telescope. Yeah. And it seems surprised. Yes. As well. Yeah. It, it, it seems, I, I think, I think we probably can conclude from that, that it didn't expect that Ned was going to have this weapon 
from this other world that was magical. That could be. Especially because it looks like a Nerf blaster. So it does seem like you would be quite surprised. You think he's just a kooky old man. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, it seems seems surprised that this weapon is effective against it. Yeah. And it definitely, like, it seems to really disrupt its whole... It's whole deal because yeah. it's all like it starts like breaking all kind down. of arms and stuff and like falling. He said like collapsing into itself. Yeah, yeah, it's super gross. Um, and then it flees through up. a portal while screaming, which is, uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a little unsettling. Mm-hmm. But that did make me wonder the fact that this is now that it it sounds similar to the thing that Duck is dealing with over at the telescope, mm-hmm. and it made me wonder like, are they all part of the same? genetic build like is this yeah. just pieces of it because we wondered this before when there were the two different it sounded like there were two different uh fako bigfoot running around mm-hmm. big feet i don't know bigfoots <laughs> bigs bigs feet bigs feet that's it <laughs> so when there were two bigs feets running around it, we kind of wondered that too was this mm-hmm. two separate entities or is there a hive mind situation going on here like we saw yeah. with billy and so I we I continue to wonder that now that we're seeing both of these kind of broken down into this this mass that can't either agree on one form or doesn't know how to get one form. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of which, let's go back to the telescope. Yeah, and Leo, this shockingly, maybe has done some significant damage with his Ooh, van. He sure did. Which, I mean, understandably, he's flipped it on its side, which is a bad situation for Leo. Yeah, he's definitely taken the hit here. But, of course, Duck is like, oh, hell no, not today. <laughs> uh, and he and I had the same reaction. I don't know about you. Please weigh in here. <laughs> because my reaction was also like, Leo, you sweet dumbass. What the hell are you <laughs> even doing here? I love you, but also, you're an idiot. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, yeah. I mean, they would have been in significant trouble if he hadn't done something. And I, I understand why he did, but also oh, thank God maybe not here. his best plan. Yeah, I, <laughs> I very much enjoyed certainly Duck being so sassy with him while he was oh, trying so to extract him from the van. Yes. And luckily he's able to get him out. Mm-hmm. And Leo blows our minds by being like, I saw a vision again. Yeah. And it was reversed. You were in yeah. trouble. He had to come. Leo, that's so sweet. This is the first time that we've heard of a vision changing ever. Yeah. And and he also had it during the day. Also Ooh, interesting. Yeah, it wasn't a... Well, unless he was taking a nap. It could have still been a dream. But you're right. Yeah. Leo, were you napping? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's just getting older. He's napping more. You know, yeah. it's, it's just how it works. It but... was just... He found a nice... He was sitting in his chair. The sun was coming through the window. It was nice and warm. <laughs> you can't blame a man. <laughs> yeah, but it does seem like maybe this is a little atypical either way. Yes, absolutely. But they, they don't get a lot of time to try and figure out the mechanics of, yeah, of visions vision. or whether or not it's nap time again. Because <laughs> there's another one of these four-armed glowy creatures which grabs Leo and throws him. Like, hurls him. Yeah, like they've successfully defeated the abomination, but... But... This thing's starting to dissolve like the other ones did, and then does some kind of freaky electronic scream and stops dissolving, which seems like really bad news. Extremely bad news. And then it, like, bum rushes Duck. So we're like, well, it's it's running at Duck, and then suddenly we're with uh, Sarah Drake, 
and she has a terrible headache. Right? Weird. Just like Duck. And uh, it sounds like she is now possessed by Minerva. What? How? Which is very interesting. And then the end. That's all. Goodbye. (laughs) A hell of a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. An especially bad one. <laughs> Very daunting and also exciting. Because, yeah, like, Minerva, first of all, what is up? How are you? It's so good to hear from you. But secondly, what? <laughs> Those are my two questions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was very curious about that. I was like, has she ever done this before? Is this a thing? Is I know. Well, Leo, are you okay? Can you? Okay, listen. <laughs> We're all going to go to a diner. Leo, we need to know if this has ever happened before. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know if Leo's okay. I mean, I think I he was already injured. He's gotten thrown really far. That's probably going to yeah. hurt. So It's not going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Man, a lot of people are getting real busted. So now we have Aubrey, still definitely hurt. We have Ned, who's just taken some damage. Leo's not looking great. Mm-hmm. How's Duck doing? Um, no, he hasn't taken any damage yet. Nice. Duck, it sounded like man. he was a. It sounded like he was maybe about to. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. But Minerva. Yeah, presumably Minerva is coming to Duck's rescue. Yes, hopefully she's which he's definitely going to need. <laughs> he will. I know we got to get this party back together. Yeah. Well, and I mean they've got another significant problem happening somewhere else, which is that basically the entire town is headed for uh, the gate. They've got their torches. They've got their pitchforks. We've all seen Beauty and the Beast. Kill the Beast. And this time they're talking about Barclay. Mm-hmm. And if Brittany Bailey were here, she'd be shouting about how much she loves the Beast and how much she loves Barclay. <laughs> that one's for you, B. <laughs> Is there anything we forgot to bring up that we want to mention now? The the only thing that I wrote down that we did not talk about. Yeah. Is the shocking news that apparently Griffin's been on Twitter reading people's theories. Oh, good call. I'm glad they mentioned the time the time travel because that was one of our mm-hmm. theories too. We were like, when yeah. is Ned in this in this lodge? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Griffin did go out of his way to specify like you don't know how much time has passed and we still don't know that True. that isn't um, somehow relevant uh, when we when we finally understand how all of these pieces fit together, which we still don't really quite have the whole picture. Yeah. Like we've got all the kind of the corner pieces in, right. but it's still a little unclear it's, about the middle. Yeah, we're sort of getting an idea of where this photo's going, but what what's that what's that bear holding? Is it an umbrella? I don't know. We'll have to find <laughs> out. <laughs> So if you guys are making theories that you think Griffin might read, make sure they're really good ones. And share them <laughs> no, with no, us. No, no make sure they're completely them. ridiculous. Like just the silliest thing you can come up That's, with. That's okay. Let's do that. <laughs> tweet tweet like you tweet like no one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> tweet like no one's reading this. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly well, how I live my life. Oh my gosh. I feel like you have to. Who cares? <laughs> That's the way to do it. Speaking of Twitter, let's talk about this poll. Uh, the question still stands, even after this episode. Where does Billy go when the Cryptonomica is closed? Yeah, we tagged in on the, like, the, the important question here that the Abomination really also did. wants to know the answer to. Uh, oh no, we're helping the monster. Oh god, we're helping it. You know what? It was really close. With 46% of the votes, people are saying he holes up in the back room at the Cryptonomica. Mm-hmm. But that just barely beat out Sleepovers with Kirby, which had 39%. Mm-hmm. So... 
maybe it's still not too sure. Yeah. And maybe it just depends on the day. Yeah. For now, Billy's still safe. He is. Hopefully we can keep him that way. <laughs> Let's, that is our number one goal. One, well, okay, number two goal. One, protect Jake Cool Ice. <laughs> two, protect Billy. <laughs> Uh, thank you everybody for voting. Now this week we want to know what is your strategy for when there's a giant monster headed for you. That poll will be up over on our Twitter at Romancing Zone, and we will meet everybody back here to discuss the live show in two weeks. Until then, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Nell Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. Mm-hmm.